0: Ephesians chapter 4 and I want to as we now have been over the last few Sundays have been looking at the work of the Holy Spirit within the church and within the individuals within the church uh, sort of go with a sermon in preparing us for the gifts of the spirit within the church, but it's 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 such it's a, it's a topic that I believe that has been uh, completely um, taken out of context of the Bible. That you know, when we talk about the gifts of the spirit these days, it has anything or very little of biblical foundation. So I I, I went to I thought it was a good thing that we read this chapter to see what God's will is for His church through the gifts that He has given before we go to the gifts of the Spirit for the church. So, uh, not that they are two things. They are the very same thing, I believe. But when we read or well, when we hear about these things with, from within the Pentecostal framework you'll understand that sometimes it's just completely pulled out of proportion. Now, let's get the biblical framework for this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I remember as a child, when we received a new minister in town from another denomination, or no, it was our minister, and ministers of other denominations were involved and invited to be there, we, after all, went to the hall where there was uh, a bit of sitting around the table and, 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 and all this, and speeches were made. And there was one of the ministers, uh, someone I really loved. He was from another church. Um, and he always had something that you could have a chuckle about. And he said, uh, when he got onto his feet, he said, Well, I really looked forward to your arrival in town, he said to the new minister. He said, but now, after I've heard some other speeches, I'm a bit disappointed. He said, I was looking forward to the being together. But now I heard from many speeches tonight that we are actually supposed to work together. When we read this part in the scriptures, something stands out to us. If I just can repeat verse 16. From him, from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As we pointed out earlier in, uh, when we had the f- children up here, a body cannot work if each part does not do its work. One of the trends of our modernistic society is to think as individuals. We tend to reason from the individual to the group. And even when we see the crowd, we still think of it as a group of individuals. But when the Bible refers to the people of God or to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the main emphasis is on the sum rather than on the individual. It is the body that counts and not the members of the body as such. The individual is always part of the bigger group. In fact, the individual member can't exist without the rest of the body. And the rest of the body does not function well without the support of each member. That is something that works both ways. And unfortunately in our society, we think individualistically. When through God, God then through his prophets referred to the people and he uses the word "you." Those of you who would have the old translation, the King James version, sometimes can work out when it's plural and when it's singular. But when God does that, He usually uses the word "you" to express the plural, and not the individual as a as a uh, as a singular. If I'm just a uh, Look at a few examples. If you go to Isaiah chapter 43, you'll see that the Lord speaks to his people. And he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You know that verse. It's a beautiful verse, isn't it? And how many times have you, been, uh, have you heard this, this verse being applied in an individual way? I've summoned you by name, you are mine. And for me personally and everyone here who read those verses, of course we had the comfort knowing that the Lord knows us. But you know here, the Lord is actually speaking to his people, to his church. He's not speaking to individual members within the church. Let's apply it. When the Lord looks at, us, looks at us this morning as people sitting here, and he says, as he would say to his elect people across the world, he would say, those of you who are gathered here as a church today, you, I know you by name. As a church, I know you by name are mine. Let us, take, let us take heart then and know that God has a promise for His church and He says, you think that you are only a small number of people? You think that you, you won't make it till next year or 10 years after now? You know what? I hold you in my hand. You. You belong to me. Everyone here in the body. When charges were made against the whole body of the church, in Revelation, you know, the seven letters to the church, uh, we constantly hear, hear this term, I know you and I know your work. He does not look at people within the church and he says, uh, um, Yeah, I don't want to use, a. let's say, Peter. Is that a Peter here today? So you don't think that I'm talking to you as if... He says, Peter, I know you, and I know your works. He says, no. He said, Ephesus, I know you, and I know your works. Let's apply it to this. The Lord looks at this church, and He might say, uh, Kering Presbyterian, I know you and I know your works. You see, the Lord addresses the body of people. The Lord says, I hold this against you. He says, I'm talking to you as a group, as my body. Never can we be satisfied with individual repentance and holiness. And therefore, when the Lord says, I stand at the door and I knock, He says to His church, I've got that against you. You have to repent. The whole church, the whole body, of course, it includes individual repentance. And it, and, and it is also true that when the individuals of the church and the, body, the members of the church walk within holiness, it has an effect to the church. But when the Lord looks at us and He says, well, I've got that against you and I've got this against you and I know your works and I know, I know these things, we have to look around us and say, how does it affect me as a member Have I not loved as the Lord wanted me to love? Have I not cared in the way that I should care? And therefore the body, the body of believers actually um, uh, are disadvantaged. God's purpose for his church is a body which functions well. We cannot disregard the individual parts, but the body is the thing. The, God, the Lord God t- talks about his people all the time. He led Israel out of, out of uh, the bondage of slavery. And he calls them, you are my people. And therefore, we, we need to get an eye for this. In our, in our individual age or individualistic age, we, we, we hardly think about it this way. But you can't walk... And and hit your foot against something, and then the, the the rest of the body says, "Well, well, it's none of my business." I can guarantee you that, and you might have that, you might have had that experience. If you had a toenail to be pulled out, every part in your body aches for that. And we cannot, for the moment, say, "Well." While this stove is giving me so much trouble, I'm going to take it off and leave it for a while until it's cured and until it's okay, then I'll put it back. No, it is all part of the same thing. And therefore, we need to understand that as a body of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are together in it. And never can my individual desire stand above the, indiv- the, the desire of God for His church. Therefore, it is sickening when you think about all these choruses that we have these days. And it's all about me. And it's all about my desire. And it's as if I live for myself. And if, and if the Lord only cares about me. It is not the case. God cares for His church. And He's put you and me within a body of believers for a specific purpose. And therefore, it's not about me. It is about us. And it's about God in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where it talks about spiritual immaturity of the people. And if you'd like to, well, you can go home and and read there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul uses the word you 10 times in this chapter. And in all instances, he means the church as a body of believers. He levels the charge of spiritual immaturity against them. He said, I gave you milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it. And then in verse 16 of chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16, he states, don't you, second personal plural, he talks to the body of people, know that you once again the plural are god's temple singular you the group of people there he says you you call yourself christians you are the congregation in corinth you what are you you are the temple one temple Now, as he continues his charge against spiritual immaturity, he says, if anyone, now he uses the word singular, in a singular way, destroys the temple, then God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you, plural, are that temple. In the the construction, Paul sees the body as an important entity. It is the temple of God. It is made up of individuals, and it forms one body. But there are individuals who build carelessly, leading to the destruction of the temple. And now we understand why Paul then declares in chapter 12, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with him. So what we do as individuals has an impact on the body. And what the body does has an impact on the individuals. So if we we start to develop this and we look at, at, let's say, for instance, the prayer life of our church then suddenly I am aware of the fact that if we are not a prayerful church, although there might be prayerful members within the church, that those who are really prayerful in the church would be mourning for those who are not. Because those who are not prayerful, as we should be, those are actually dragging down the life of the church And it would be a wonderful thing if we are, as a body of people, equally concerned about the prayerful life of the church. Most of us do not think of ourselves as being gifted. After all, few of us are really capable of preaching like a Billy Graham or singing like Pavarotti or playing basketball like Michael Jordan or playing soccer like many of these people play soccer now within the next few weeks. It will just be soccer, soccer, soccer all over the place. But you know what? According to statistics, there's only one-tenth of 10% of people in the world that are really gifted like these people. One-tenth. That is, that is minor. We should not look at these people and say, if I can't do it like that, I'm not going to do it. Because there are some things that these people can't do. and We need to be there to do that. There is a responsibility that some of us can be actually very proud in being humble. Does that sound sound possible? Instead of saying, well, I've got a little gift that I want to give to the church, I say, you know what? Look at me. I'm so humble just to tell you that I've got nothing. Which actually means it. Don't ask me to do anything because I won't. All of us are given a gift because God will not include a member in the body if he doesn't have a purpose. Okay? How many of you would go about today without tonsils? Because it was all removed then. Nowadays, they realize how important it actually is. All of us have a purpose. Now, when you look at Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to dwell on it for too long, because I don't want to rush over the th- these things. I, I think it's important that we understand the implications of being members of a body. When you look at Ephesians chapter 4, let's draw a few Uh, conclusions from what the apostle made uh, statements in that chapter. He says in verse 4, To each of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. To each of us? Do you hear that? To each of us? Christ apportioned that. All of us did not receive the same portion because we are not called, all of us, to do the same thing. My whole body is not a mouth. Sometimes you might think that is only the only thing I've got. But truly my whole body is not a mouth. I thank God for the fact that it is not. And sometimes I have to learn to understand that I've got actually a Pair of ears too, and I should use them to listen. Not all of us do the same thing, and we're not called to do the same thing. The second thing, we received different gifts, but are, all are from Christ. To not use these gifts is to say to the giver, our Lord Jesus Christ, we find that he has given inadequate or expendable. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this, but sorry, I don't think that you've done the right thing, so I'm not going to do it. It is actually to know better than the head of the body, Jesus Christ himself. Am I right? Third thing, some are called to be pastors and teachers, others evangelists, because the purpose of Christ with these gifts is to prepare God's people for, and now we come to that thing. It is not for God's people to be together. It is for God's people to work together. Work together. It says there God wants his people to be prepared for works of service. So the body may be built up Then the next thing, the body which includes all its members, therefore has a job to do. We work. Wouldn't it be good to have a body there that has everything, and the body does nothing? We must attain the unity and faith and the knowledge of the the Son of God, to be mature as the Lord wants us to be, verse 13, it is clear that God intended for His people to help one another to reach this high goal. I help you, you help me. I pray for you. you pray for me. You go ahead and things do things that I just can't even think about, but I will do things that you're not happy doing. We must be able to withstand the onslaught of the enemy. Because we stand together and because everyone does his job. When we work together, that's how it's done. I remember being in the army. And one night in, a, in, a, in, a, in an army camp there right up in Angola where uh, we were at that stage. About 9 o'clock that night, the mortar bombs just went off of the enemy. frightening experience, the first thing that crossed my mind at that stage was these people don't play cowboys and crooks. When you realize that, you realize it's a matter of life and death. Okay? What happened then? All the people in that camp were trained to do something to protect those who live in that camp. And within minutes, not even minutes, everyone was at his post. The flares went off. The the, the firing plan was put in place and there was defense as everyone did their little part. And no one was killed in that attack. Paul says that's what we need to do as a church. We need to build one another up, stand with one another so that we can, can defend ourselves. Verse 14. Then verse 16. Christ is the head of the body and we are the members of the body. In Him, the body is joined together. In Him, we are members and we must grow up. Christ is our commander in chief. Verse 17. Each member has a part to play. We must give support as we discharge of the gifts given to us by doing our work of service. For too long, the church was thought of as a footy team. The pastors are the trainers and the referees. The elders and other leaders are the players. And on the pavilion, we think, are the rest of the congregation enjoying the game. You get that idea in your head? We're sitting there, we're looking on, someone is doing the thing, and you know what we do? We criticize all the decisions of the referee, and we all know the rules very well, but the problem is we are in the pavilion. The Bible says, no, 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 there's there's a different pattern to this. You know what? God gave leaders in the church, the ministers and the elders and the pastors and all these, what do they do? They are the trainers of the congregation who plays. You know what? There is no pavilion in the church. There's no one there. Because all of us need to play. All of us need to train. All of us need to be fit. All of us need to know the rules. And all of us are there. For one purpose, and that is for the victory that we receive in Christ. I'm going to leave it there for for today. To take it, you to think about, go and study Ephesians chapter 4 all over again. Think about the fact that you are a gift from God for this church. You've got something to do, not because you are special, not because you are such a gifted person, but because God has called you by His mercies and His grace and He's put you here for a purpose. But in all, we are not individuals. We are a team. And as such, we need to work together. And within this framework, next week, Lord willing, I'll continue on this until we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where it talks about, First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit within the church. And we'll p- apply these principles there then. Let us pray. Our Father, we know that we are children of our age and for too long we have been dragged along with this idea that we are individuals and that that we count and what we do is important and what we want is important instead of seeing ourselves as members of the body of believers maybe forgetting that some of us may build in such a way that it actually does harm to the temple help us lord to understand these things and to apply to our our lives and in the life of the church we pray for the sake of Jesus Christ, amen.